And welcome into the Paul Farrington Show, a Tuesday edition of the Paul Farrington Show. Paul joined alongside Robert Ziggy Ziegler from the University of Virginia and the best executive producer in the game, Zach Bloomquist with a camera on him and his Syracuse orange shirt on. I don't think you're a Syracuse fan, are you? Uh, no. Yeah, I never... No, I'm a Baylor Bear, but... <laughs> I'm a Baylor Bear. Yeah, but, I forgot uh, about that fandom. Yeah, uh, Jack is not here with us today, but he will be back next week. Remember, we're off on Thursday because I am away. So next Tuesday and Thursday, we will be doing the AFC and NFC West, the final two divisions we have in these division previews. We are saying they're a lot of fun to do. You learn a lot about these teams, but they're a lot of work. A lot goes on in the NFL. Uh, there's just so many moving pieces. Remember, before an NBA podcast or something like that, there's only so many players on each team, only so many movements. Uh, but in the NFL, I mean, you could have, like the Texans, look at their roster movement this year. So many new pieces coming in, a lot of different veteran people. Uh, AFC South preview today. And it's a fun division, even though these AFC and NFC South teams really aren't that good on paper. I mean, a couple are. The Jaguars could be good this year. There's a lot going on. There's young players. There's young quarterbacks. There's Derek Carr came in for the Saints. So um, we'll begin with the Jacksonville Jaguars, Ziggy. I believe this is a team that you've been high on, even dating back to last year, because they've got a lot of guys that you're a fan of, at least in our dynasty league. I know you, Calvin Ridley was your boy uh, at one point. So I look over Jacksonville at the moment, and obviously Trevor Lawrence is the key piece there. When he started, it didn't start great with Urban Meyer. Doug Peterson comes in with new weapons. He had Christian Kirk last year. Evan Ingram had a breakout season. Even Zay Jones played well. And all of a sudden, it started to come together a little bit more for Jacksonville. They go on a run to the playoffs. They beat Tennessee in essentially that last week of the season playoff game, even though Ryan Tannehill was out. And then they come back against the Chargers. I know one of my friends had a big bet on Los Angeles in that game, and you know, I think it was 27 nothing when he looked at me and said, man, I wish I just doubled down when I had the chance. And, you know, a couple hours later, that was devastation. But then they go and they play the Chiefs really close. They almost win that game. So a lot of optimism surrounding this team. I think the big question is, does Trevor Lawrence take that jump up again to superstar level? Because right now he's flirting with being a star in the league. But can he become one of those top five quarterbacks in the NFL? What do you think about that? Obviously, there's a lot to talk about Jacksonville, but we'll start with, does Trevor Lawrence become a superstar this year? I think we've already seen superstar Trevor Lawrence. The, the Jaguars team last year was really two different teams. Mm-hmm. There was the team going into the Week 11 bye, right? They were, what, 3-7. and seven. They'd lost six of their last seven after a 3-1 and one start. The offense was bad. The defense was bad. Nothing was really working. And then coming out of that bye, to the surprise of a lot of people, they went on a huge hot streak, right? They won a bunch of games. They made the playoffs. They won six of their final seven. Lawrence was really good. ETN was really good. Christian Kirk was really good. Darius Williams, Devin Lloyd, like a lot of players stepped up and played well into the postseason. So I see no reason to think they won't be able to carry on that same momentum going into next year. Yeah, no, I, I remember watching them towards the end. It's kind of the inverse of the, the Titans, who we'll get to in a second, where ten, Tennessee starts 7-3, and three, lost their final seven games. Meanwhile, Jacksonville had this huge ascent up the AFC South and, like we said, got them into the playoffs. Not a lot of movement on the offense for them. They lose Juwan Taylor, their left tackle. Uh, they're hoping that they can replace him. Their first-round draft pick will come in. Um, that's Anton Harrison out of Oklahoma. So we'll see if he can 
be a capable replacement. But other than that, really not too many people leaving at all for this Jaguars offense. A huge move was bringing back Evan Ingram. But something that we mentioned earlier, or someone, is Calvin Ridley now joins this receiving corps. And you're going to have Ingram, Christian Kirk, who was extremely valuable last season. I remember a couple people I knew who drafted him in fantasy were thrilled with the Christian Kirk performances, especially later on down the stretch of the season. But Calvin Ridley comes in now after a year suspended from gambling, and he basically has missed two years because of the mental health issues. Do you think that Calvin Ridley could reclaim his spot as a number one receiver in the NFL, Ziggy? I think he can, but the good news for the Jaguars is he doesn't have to. Right, We've seen how explosive Calvin Ridley can be, but I really don't think he'll be worse than, say, Adam Thielen was in Minnesota last year. All they really need from him is for him to be a wide receiver, too, that can run routes effectively and on time. And that he can do, right? You put Ridley together with Christian Kirk, you know, they'll get to keep uh, Evan Ingram around for another year, who was impressive last year, a functional receiver. Mm -hmm. Ridley's got a high ceiling, right? We've seen that he can be incredibly good. He doesn't get enough respect for some of the seasons that he put together in Atlanta before he was suspended. Right. I mean, the, the dude put together a 1400. Well, yeah, yeah. He had that one huge season. His other ones weren't as statistic, statistically impressive as that. I mean, he put together 17 touchdowns in the two seasons before that he's never put up a full season under 800 yards. Like he is a reliable, productive receiver with a huge ceiling. Yeah, but part so of yeah, I made, think they should be excited to get him back. Yeah, but part, I'm saying I'm thinking part of what made, obviously, you know, he had to leave for mental health and that you know, take care of your business. But what made part that so disappointing for at least Falcons fans from a football standpoint was he was he had just broken out the season before. If you really were to say like what's his breakout season, 1,400 yards right there. Like there were a lot of expectations for him kind of taking over that spot in Atlanta, becoming that guy um, in place of Julio Jones, really. And so it was, it was sad to see the past two seasons, how they've gone for him. If he comes in and if he could play anything like that 1,400-yard receiving uh, Calvin Ridley, I mean, Trevor Lawrence could set the league on fire this year because that offense should be good. Defensively, eh, it's okay. There's really not a great defense in the AFC South. Uh, th- there are some star players on Jacksonville. They're led by Tyson Campbell and Josh Allen. Um but really, they are going to need some guys to step up. And particularly, you can look at Trayvon Walker, who was not that long ago the number one overall pick in the draft. Was he used properly last year? Some people would say no. If he can come come in to this season, 2023, and play anything like what a number one overall pick is supposed to, all of a sudden now you're, you're looking at a defense with a, a little bit more juice to it. So the, the Jaguars' defense, while not, not scary on paper, does have enough youth to it that people take jumps you could be looking at one of the the better defenses in the conference in the i'm sorry in the division i'll tell you what i think the magic number is for the jaguars defense 18 i think that if josh allen and trayvon walker can combine for 18 or more sacks this is a team with an incredible ceiling the offense should be good to great if the defense can just get past pressure i feel like we say this with half the teams in the nfl but if they can just pressure the opposing quarterback this is a team, I think, with a genuine Super Bowl ceiling. They've got an easy division, all things considered. They've got a star quarterback. They've got a great offense. You know, Walker Little at left tackle for those first few games will be tough. But if he's not good, Cam Robinson can come back after his suspension, step in and play. The defensive line is just what worries me. But if they're good, this goes from a team looking at a first or second round playoff exit to a team that can really compete with the big boys in the AFC. I really you see, so. it's funny because the same way that 
you were talking about pass rush being your concern. For me, it's actually the secondary. I look back and I, I said Tyson Campbell had a breakout season last year. He was awesome. But beyond him at cornerback, really there's not that much depth to the Darius Giants. Williams is good. Darius Williams is good. But like again, he can be up and down at times. And, and then after him, there's really there's really no one there. So that's that's where I'm a little more concerned with Jacksonville. It's actually in the secondary. And now I'll sound like you. For a lot of teams in the NFL, we're talking about their secondaries being a concern this year. Um, but for Jacksonville, that's really I'm more concerned about the secondary actually than the D line. And maybe that's because I'm confident Trayvon Walker having a better year, and we know what Josh Allen is. But um, yeah, we'll we'll see if they're able to pull it together and and have those young guys, like I said, step up. All of a sudden, if this defense is good, you're talking about a legit Super Bowl contender, as you said. So uh, exciting times to be a Jaguars fan. It is crazy when I I think since 2000, I was looking the other day, 14 seasons with six wins or less. I mean, it has been for a long time now. Pretty tough being a Jaguars fan. They have their, you know, flash in the pan every once in a while, like in 2017. But generally speaking, when you think of bottom feeders in the NFL, it's been Cleveland, it's been Detroit. They're a little more pronounced than Jacksonville. But then Jacksonville has been right there as one of the worst teams in the league for a long time. Kind of fun to see them finally uh, flipping the switch. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what we'll see what happens. All I'm saying is this. The last time the Jaguars were two and six and then overcame that record to make the playoffs, they made the playoffs the next three years in a row after that. Just saying. Just saying. Yeah. I mean, what was going on in the league last year? There's something happened because Detroit, uh, th- them as well. What were they? Seven and one down the stretch or eight and two? Yeah. Something there were a lot like of that. teams that it seemed to really click for them. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with Jacksonville. The challenger, the biggest challenger, and I actually think this team is being. A little disrespected is the Tennessee Titans. I, look, we talked just a couple weeks, months ago, maybe, about teams that were in the running for Caleb Williams, and a lot of people mentioned the Titans. But I look up and down this roster right now, and I mean, there are there are reasons to be concerned. But you have to remember they were seven and three, and then of course Tannehill had all these injuries. Malik Willis wasn't that good. Um, but if we zoom back on the Titans, they have a new GM this year. Uh, Rand Carthen comes in from the 49ers. Derrick Henry has basically been the offense for the past few years. He reminds me a little bit of Adrian Peterson when he was with the Vikings. It's just everything's on his shoulders. Um, you know, we made the, that video about the Titans receivers or country singers for a reason. Like Westbrook Akine and Traylon Burks, you know, they, they were okay last year. But beyond that, heading into the season before getting DeAndre Hopkins, there's Chris Moore, Kyle Phillips, Colton Dowell. Like, it's fun when we talk about, oh, are they a country singer or a Titans receiver? But at the end of the day, like, you know, there's just no depth there. Like, there's a reason we made that video. Um, so they go out and they bring in DeAndre Hopkins just recently, two-year, $26 million deal. And he should be a huge asset for Ryan Tannehill. Like, Tannehill wasn't good last year by any means. It was his worst season with the Titans. But in 2020, he threw for 33 touchdowns and seven interceptions. They went 11-5. and five. And just two years ago in 2021... They were the number one seed in the AFC sitting at 12 and five. So this Titans team isn't, I mean, recently they were very good and they have a great coach in Mike Vrabel. Am I crazy, Ziggy? Or looking at Tennessee and saying they could legitimately win this division is very much on the table. It is very tough to be excited about a team that lost their last seven games. It is, it is. And it's, you know, on the one hand, you can take the Vrabel approach and say, look, last year we lost six games by one score. 
if we can just play a little bit better, the secondary can generate just a little more turnover. If we can have just a slightly better offense, maybe we can win some of those. And the Titans were sort of at the edge, right? People were wondering, are they going to trade Derrick Henry? Are they going to trade Tannehill? And it seems like they just weren't excited with what the trade market was looking like and decided to run it back. But this is definitely a team teetering on the edge. Now, there are things to be excited about, right? As you say, they got DeAndre Hopkins. I think there's no question that uh, Traylon Burks is going to be able to take a step forward. He was good last year. He could be great this year and make the A.J. Brown trade look a little less miserable. Man, that looks so bad right now. Yeah. I mean, maybe they'll figure out the left tackle situation, right? Skaronsky's practicing both a tackle and a guard. Maybe Dillard or step in a tackle. Doesn't really matter. The problem is that their defense was the worst in the league against the pass. It doesn't matter how good you are against the run if you can't stop the pass. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side, it doesn't matter how good you are at running the ball if you can't pass the ball. So the Titans just feel like they're built for a different NFL right now, yeah. and they need a lot of things to go right to overcome that. Yeah, you, you mentioned they were last in the league in passing yards. Or I'm sorry, they were 30th in the league um, in passing yards per game. And they were last, yeah, last in giving up passing yards. And you know, to to be fair, if we're gonna look first on the offensive side, like their passing attack, it's not like they were lighting it up in 2020 or 2021 when they were, you know, winning 11, 12 games. They were still like towards the bottom end of the league in that. It's just last year in particular, Robert Woods led the team with 527 yards, and he played 17 games. So, like, DeAndre Hopkins coming in, he had 717 yards in nine games. Like, he should be able to be a huge adjustment. I mean, a huge benefit for Ryan Tannehill, who was playing last year. Again, what was the one thing he didn't have from 2022 versus 2020-2021? It was A.J. Brown, that horrible deal. Um, I'm still worried, Ziggy. Like you said, the Titans kind of play in a different era of NFL right now. Their run defense is amazing. It really is great. And their rushing attack with Derrick Henry, hard to get better than that. But uh, defensively, man, I mean, that secondary is just going to get picked apart again this year. No, I mean, maybe like Caleb Farley is going to be able to take a step forward, finally stop getting injured and play some games. <laughs> right? Maybe some of the 49ers guys they added, what they added, Arden Key and Aziz Al-Shahir, maybe they'll step in and take over. But the Titans... The defense, is it feels like they're living on a prayer at this point, unless they can really improve the turnovers. Like, they've got some excellent players, right? Like, Jeffrey Simmons, excellent player, but they oh, don't the have line, enough around yeah, these guys. The interior D-line is really good with Simmons, Tart, and Autry. But then if you, look, if you look at the farther you go back, it's really like the worse it gets. And uh, Sean Murphy Bun- Bunting comes in from Tampa Bay. We'll see. I, I always thought he was solid there with the, the Buccaneers, but there's just a lot of pieces that really a lot of problems that haven't been fixed defensively uh so so we'll see but again i do look at this team i mean i know we're talking quite negatively about them i look at them right now and i'm I'm thinking to myself defensively they're not that much worse than the jaguars i mean some people might even say they're a little better the the secondary for me is a reason i'd say no but if we're we're looking at the offenses yeah jacksonville should be better but if ryan Tannehill can recapture the form he had in 2020 I mean, this this team isn't that far behind Jacksonville. Is it? Like, I can see Jacksonville yeah. being a little overrated. They were playing Jacksonville in a must-win playoff game week 17 last year. Without I would just say week 18, excuse me. Yeah, without – did they play Dobbs that game? Dobbs played, yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you one player who I feel like folks aren't talking enough about the Titans getting back is Harold Landry. 
right? Remember, he signed that mega deal coming off his 12 and a half sack season. A huge difference maker at outside linebacker. Unfortunately, tore his ACL in the summer last year. If he comes back and plays like the old Harold Landry, you can get some pass pressure, help out the secondary a little bit. You know, maybe your run first offense starts to look a little bit better. Like if things go right for the Titans, they could be a good team this year. I can't see them hanging with the Bengals, the Bills, or the Chiefs. No, they can make the playoffs. Me neither. Well, I mean, at one point you said, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you had them as your one seed at one point this offseason. You mean the number one overall pick? No, no, you had them as the number one, like predicted them to come in first in the AFC. Oh, in the in the AFC South? Or the no, AFC? I, I'm pretty sure we can go back and see video of you saying they're my sleeper pick to be the one number one seed. We're going to have Boy, to go back and try and find footage of that. Yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> see if we can find that real. I, I'd be surprised if I said that, though I doubt you're making it up. I mean, look. They've got an easy schedule. <laughs> now he's going to turn on the, the Jaguars. Well, I think it's extremely unlikely. They've got okay. an easy schedule. The other teams and top teams at least have a hard schedule for the most part. But no, I mean, I think this team should be very happy if they win 10 games next year. I don't see them doing much better than that. Okay. All right. Let's move on now to the Indianapolis Colts. Since Andrew Luck retired prior to the 2019 season, it's really been a revolving door of washed up older quarterbacks if, if you if you want to go back Jacoby Brissett Brian Hoyer Philip Rivers Carson Wentz and then last year the trio of Matt Ryan Sam Ellinger and Nick Foles I mean look again as a Viking fan I've seen bad quarterback play I've kind of had this uh we've had this era where we were bringing in older quarterbacks for a little while it doesn't it usually doesn't work every once in a while you get a Brett Favre type of season Philip Rivers was good I mean that team went to the playoffs but finally Jim Irsay was like enough's enough we're hitting the reset button. Shane Sykin comes in from the Eagles. Remember, he's had a lot of success with Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts. We saw their transformation to stardom really happen with him. And then they go and they draft Anthony Richardson with the fourth overall pick, hoping that Steichen can rekindle some of that old magic he had. Uh, the question is around Anthony Richardson, will he live up to that potential? And it's, it's, tough, to, it's tough to answer right now because the biggest... We talked about this a lot before, but the biggest issue for him, in a lot of people's eyes, I'm not sure, I'm not sure where you stand on this anymore, Ziggy. But accuracy is always a thing that's brought up with Anthony Richardson, 54.7% over his college career, uh, 53.8% in his senior season, and people will say, oh, but there's so many drop passes, and that's true, there were drop passes. That's why we shared those on-target rates and those stats in a video uh, from a couple months ago. 106 out of 114 FBS quarterbacks in on-target rate. 95th out of 114 FBS quarterbacks in catchable rate. Like accuracy issues are a concern, but if he's able to fix those, which we saw, we've seen with guys like Lamar and Josh Allen, all of a sudden now we're talking about superstar potential. What do you think here about Anthony Richardson? I think that Anthony Richardson has a very high floor, at least coming into this season for the following reason. I get that there are passing concerns, and the concerns are somewhat justified. I think he'll improve the accuracy pretty quickly. We'll see whether or not he does. But he will be one of the best rushing quarterbacks in the NFL from day one. Yep. The only guys who can compete with him are Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields. Right? So when you talk about a guy who's a genuine like master architect of offenses and Shane Steichen, right? a team that should have an offensive line that improves next year. 
a team with functional wide receivers, right? Michael Pittman Jr., one of the most underrated receivers in the NFL, an elite running back, solid tight ends, and Mo Alley Cox and Virginia grad Jelani Woods. He's I mean, going to shock the league next year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, think, I feel like you're being a little generous with Okay, look, positions. I'm a little generous on Jelani Woods. Okay, I admit, I watched him, and I've never seen a player quite like him, but set that aside. Yeah, we're gonna. There's have a to there's a lot to like about the, there's a, there's a fair amount to like about the Colts' offense if you can get a quarterback that's a rushing threat, right? Matt Ryan had to stand back in the pocket and get pelted over and over again. Oh, I mean, and if Richardson's saw, not yeah. yeah, if Richardson's not ready, you can start Gardner Minshew. Yeah, we you know saw, can step in and win games. You saw Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan just getting murdered for the past couple of seasons, and now it'll be a lot of fun watching Anthony Richardson and Jonathan Taylor. Because there's going to be growing pains when it comes to the passing game in Indianapolis. Like Regardless, whether that's from Richardson's issues, inaccuracy, footwork, whatever it might be for him. Or I actually think you're giving their skill positions a little too much credit outside of Pittman. I mean, I don't know. Alec Pierce is rather unproven in the league. Josh Downs, you're hoping he could come in. Like There's exciting players, but there aren't really guys that I look at and go, oh, you know, thank God Anthony Richardson has Alec Pierce to throw the ball to. Um it's but, a better situation than a lot of the rookie quarter. Oh, yeah. I mean, but compared it's, to CJ Stroud, we'll, we'll get to the Texans in a second. But compared to Stroud, you're, you'd much rather see the talent around uh, Richardson. Like that offensive line, as bad as they were last year, they sh- everyone is expecting them to rebound. Quentin Nelson allowed four sacks in his first four seasons, and I believe he allowed five last year. So he, like, he had a very off year for what many people think is the best offensive lineman in the National Football League. If that line can get back to where they're normally playing, all of a sudden this Colts offense could be fun to watch. Defensively now, eh, there are, I mean, there are a lot more issues here. We're starting to, we're starting to really get into the, the deep end of the AFC South here. Um, they're led by DeForest Buckner and Shaq Leonard. When Shaq Leonard plays, he missed a lot of last season, but I mean, this guy is total game changer. Uh, remember, remember his rookie year. I mean, 2021, 91.1 run defense grade. Seven forced fumbles, four interceptions. I mean, he's one of the best in the in the business when he's healthy. But then again, as you move back, the D line and linebackers are okay. The secondary, Stephon Gilmore's gone. Isaiah Rogers is suspended for gambling. Another another gambling guy who uh who got caught. So we we see Julius Brents, their second round pick, as arguably their number one corner. Kenny Moore, the second, and Darius Rush, a fifth round pick. Like, I mean, this this could be a big problems in the secondary no now i will say there are there's maybe no organization in the nfl except maybe the patriots that's done a better job identifying cornerbacks and developing them than the colts they consistently have good players coming through that position that they draft and develop so i'm not too worried there i think it won't be great next year but this isn't a team with huge expectations next year i think into the future they'll be okay i worry about defensive end most of all actually DeForest Buckner is great on the inside, but their starting defensive ends are going to be Quiddy Pay and Samson Abuka. Yeah, it's not exactly ideal. <laughs> no, if, if Quiddy Pay needs to take a huge step forward. He had a very disappointing year last year. And then you're talking about like a, Ram, a Rams retread and like Khalid Kareem, right? Mm-hmm. Not, not a particularly exciting defensive line. You know, Justin Blackmon's good. Shaq Leonard's good. Zaire Franklin underrated. But I actually yeah, like the decision of linebackers are good. Yeah, I like the decision of the Colts to keep continuity of Gus Bradley from last year. Mm-hmm. The defense wasn't good, but I felt like they did a very good job given the talent that Bradley had to work with. I know some Colts fans wanted Bradley's head because it wasn't quite the performance they're used to. But 
I think with this Colts team, next year will not be their year, right? They'll have a floor from Richardson running the ball, but they're not going to be a particularly thrilling team to watch in terms of winning games. Yes. What Colts fans should be looking for is development, cornerback development, quarterback development, offensive line returning to normal. And as long as those targets keep getting hit, it'll be a successful season. And you Colts know what? fans should be looking to 24 or 25. You're totally right. And, and there will be weeks when Richardson, if he's on passing the ball, like when, when everything comes together and there will be games like that, they'll look great. And everyone who's saying that there are question marks like, will look foolish, but there are likely to be more games next year where we're you know taking a step back and saying, all right, there's a lot of development that still needs to happen with the Colts. But when it's all clicking, I mean, it's going to be fun to watch Anthony Richardson. There's not, there's not many guys that you'd rather have on your team as a young quarterback in terms of the potential he has. Like Again, that's why he went fourth overall. Any closing thoughts on Indianapolis? You know, I wouldn't expect a lot from Anthony Richardson last year. I'd expect a, something a lot like Lamar Jackson's rookie season, where maybe he'll start the whole year, maybe he won't. We'll see if Ursay has some meddling in that. But even though the Ravens won a lot of games in Lamar Jackson's rookie season, he was completing like 55% of his passes. The rushing was good, right? He's putting up like, I think he averaged 80 or 90 yards a game as rookie season. Mm-hmm. Something crazy rushing. But that's, Richardson's going to be ugly next year. You just want to see <laughs> consistent signs of improvement. And if they hit yeah. that, I mean, when was the last time Colts fans could have looked to the future and think, all right, even if we're bad this year, next year could be a lot better. It, it hasn't, hasn't happened been, since Andrew since Luck left. Yeah, it, it wasn't the Jacoby been. years. It wasn't the Rivers years. It wasn't the Wentz years. It sure wasn't the Matt Ryan year. God, last year was bad for them. All right, let's move on to the Houston Texans, the other starting rookie quarterback. You know, we didn't talk about, we really didn't talk about Will Levis, but he's also floating around in Tennessee. We'll, we'll get to he's him bad. when he becomes, well, I'm not a big fan of him myself either. But He's bad. Um, oh, and by the way, Anthony Richardson, he will be starting week one. There's, there's no way that Gardner Minshew starting that game. I, I am extremely confident on that. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Got a little insider information from the volume. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, the Texans, really a, a monster offseason for Houston. We'll just talk a couple free agent people real quick here, or I'll just list them off. Dalton Schultz, Jimmy Ward, Sheldon Rankings, Shaq Griffin, Denzel Perryman, Devin Singletary, Robert Woods. I mean, a lot of guys coming in now. It's not great. I mean, these guys coming outside Jimmy Ward, we're not talking about total game changers here, but for a team that was horrible last season, I mean, it's valuable to have these veteran presences coming into the organization. Just some guys who could st- uh, stabilize some of the, you know, the weaknesses they've had, but this year is all going to be about CJ Stroud. So be about CJ Stroud and D'Amico Ryan's as first year head coach. Here was something interesting that I saw is you can make the argument. I mean, actually I feel like it might be objective that CJ Stroud is the only quarterback in recent memory who significantly downgraded his weapons, his receiving weapons from college to the NFL. Think about who he had to throw to at Ohio State. We're talking Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and maybe the best guy of the group, Marvin Harrison Jr. Now he comes to Houston, and he's got 31-year-old Robert Woods, John Mechie, who, you know, thank God he's returning from cancer, but John Mechie... But he's returning from cancer. Yeah, yeah, he's returning from cancer. He hasn't played in a year and was battling cancer. Uh, And then you got Nico Collins and Dalton Schultz. So, I mean, there's some some potential there for guys to 
to break out. But when you're talking about I mean, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and Jackson Smith and Jigbo would be one of the best receiving cores corps in the league. So, so it's it's going to be tough sledding in D'Amico Ryan's first year. This team is in complete rebuild mode and will likely be a disaster. But similar to the Colts, the measure for success will be the development of guys like Stroud, Will Anderson, John Mechie, and uh, Nico Collins. Do you, when you look at the Houston team, Ziggy, are you? Do you agree with that to begin with, that it's it's all about development? Unlike the Colts, there's no hope that D'Amico Ryan steps in as an offensive <laughs> savant and just saves the offense. Yeah. I mean, look, over the past three years, the Texans have had four head coaches and have won 11 games. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Like, it's, oh. it's bad, right? They should have had the first overall pick last year if it weren't for Lovey Smith's revenge. Isn't that insane? Like this is this franchise taking Bryce probably. Yeah, this franchise is just terrible, and they don't have a first round pick next year. So you really need the guys who are on this team to be good. Now, I don't mean good this year. I just mean developing. They have one player who we know is good on offense, Lamory Tunz. And the fact is, if you have to pick one good player on offense, it might as well be your left tackle, right? I mean, it might as well, (laughs) maybe. Yeah, like left tackle is not the worst one, but. They have preferably zero proven good players on defense. Now they have a few who might develop, right? Derek well, Jimmy Singlet, Ward. Jimmy I'm sorry, you got, you got Jimmy Ward. You got Jimmy. You're right. Jimmy Ward is good. I, I take that back. Jimmy Ward is good, and he's shown he can be in San Francisco. But he's, he's new. He's brand new. He's new. That might be alleviated by the fact that he's taking on a 49er system. But you've got one safety who's good, and otherwise, <laughs> a lot of question marks. A lot of question yeah, marks. right. Like again, Stingley might take a step forward. Desmond King could be okay. Will Anderson Jr. could be good. But yeah, it's absolutely developmental year. It's unfortunate when you have to trade away arguably your best offensive player in Brandon Cooks, but he he was sick of being there. I don't know. I worry that if CJ Stroud doesn't get off to a hot start, it'll be really easy for him to lose confidence. Right? He's on a loser franchise without a lot of good players surrounding him. And I'm not sure he's got the voice to step in and tell him that he can handle it. But I don't know. You know, that's certainly highly speculative. What's not speculative is that this is one of the worst teams in the NFL. I mean, the only thing with Houston that maybe you say at the the beginning of the year, make it clear to Stroud, like, obviously you want to win games, but, you know, given the roster they have, it's it's unlikely that they're going to probably even win five or six. Um, so you just got to nail nail on his head. Like this is about developing, getting better week by week, every single rep you take improving. Um, because, They're because, fortunate yeah. they brought over the quarterback coach from San Francisco, Bobby Slowick, who has a lot of experience yeah. working, and he's working got a with challenge. rookie quarterbacks. He's got a big challenge in front of him because like we just said, there's not really much around him from a skill position standpoint. Damian Pierce is good at running back, but really the guys he's throwing to Dalton Schultz is probably your, your best target. And no offense to Dalton Schultz, but when he's your best target, it's a little bit concerning for an offense. Uh, and then defensively, yeah, like you said, Jimmy Ward is the one real bright spot there. I think Will Anderson could come in and be awesome, and he's going to have to be a star. Like, like border, like that's it. He has to be a star from day one for this defense to, to really even have a chance. Um, but Derek Stingley is someone, we'll talk about him in a little bit. He's someone that I have my eye on heading into uh, – next season actually we could just move on to that right now the non-quarterback player to watch i just have to say one last thing about the texans you know how i said at the beginning of the segment they've won 11 games in the past three seasons yeah 
last year was the first year, only year of those three they finished last in the division. So when you talk about a putrid division with putrid teams, I mean, if there's a bright spot for the Texans, it's this. Was it Jacksonville both years? Yeah. God. Oh, my if God. If the defense and <laughs> offense outperform expectations a little bit and the Jaguars stumble, the Texans could theoretically win this division. I mean... <laughs> I'm just—it's that bad. You opened, it is you that opened bad. this segment by saying there's no hope for Houston. I think there's no hope, but if there's hope, it's a it's, race to the bottom. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would—it would probably take a Trevor Lawrence injury, and then if, then all all cards are on the table. Yeah, we'll see. It's right, the, bad. The non-quarterback player to watch. We may as well keep this as part of the Texan segment here. Um, I've got my eyes on Derek Stingley. And um, when you look back at just his career so far, I'm going back to LSU too. In 2019, that great, great team, he was amazing. He was the best defensive back in the country, let alone freshman. He was, he was a freshman that year, but he was the best defensive back in the entire nation in college football and immediately had first round grades on him, like top five picks. So he battles injuries 2020. 2021, he gets hurt again, basically misses all of his last year and still ties the record for highest drafted cornerback ever going third. He was picked ahead of Sauce Gardner. And obviously, Sauce has completely overshadowed him. Sauce is already the best cornerback in football at this point. So there's pressure on Stingley in that regard. But when you look at his play over the past, what, he's had one year in the NFL. He only played nine games last season. It was up and down, but you saw the potential. And you saw a guy who, you know, when you flash at as a freshman in college, it's likely that you have a lot of talent. I mean, the guys just aren't that good. And flame out normally. So I, I like Derek Stingley to step up this year if he could stay healthy because injuries are obviously a concern, but they need him because that secondary is pretty weak outside of Jimmy Ward. And if he can come in and be a number one cornerback again, you're hoping Will Anderson can take a step up. I mean, he's one of the most important pieces on that team. He's a building block for the future. I um I, I think there's a lot of pressure on Derek Stingley to to really come into form. And luckily, he has D'Amico Ryan's there. So, Absolutely, yeah. Adopting the 49ers defensive scheme, as opposed to Lovey Smith's, I think will help him quite a bit. The thing is, I mean, you talked about all the injuries. The biggest concern I have with Stingley, actually, is his health. His past three football seasons, he's missed a lot of games due to injury. Yeah. And he's barely played at all. We know how talented he is. And I know Sauce Gardner will almost certainly end up being the better NFL player. So Jets fans don't jump down my throat. But Derek Stingley has the potential to be a star cornerback. And we haven't seen him not live up to that. So taking on a new system, hopefully one that's a little bit more friendly. He'll get to learn from guys like Jimmy Ward, Mm -hmm. who know, you know, of course, Ward's a safety, but they know what it's like to play defensive back at a high level in the NFL. I think there's a lot to hope for of Derek Stingley. So if he's good, yeah, this Texas oh, yeah. defense could look a lot better. And to, to be fair, I also want to make it clear, he did not perform badly last season. No, like he, he played had, well. He picked off Trevor Lawrence. He put together some good games. Yeah, he had he his was a solid player. Th- there were times where, obviously, he looked like a rookie. Not everyone's going to be <laughs> the best in the league, like Sawson, uh, right, right out the gate. But he had his moments where he looked very good and you know worthy of the, the selection. So we'll see. It's about bringing it together and being more consistent. Who do you have as your non-quarterback player to watch? It's tough for me to pick anyone other than Calvin Ridley, just because there's so much excitement it could go both ways. We're talking about a guy who put up 1,400 yards and nine touchdowns on a broken foot. He can play wide receiver in the NFL. 
And the Jaguars are one of those ascending teams where you hope we've seen this formula over and over again over the past few years. Get your quarterback who's on the way up, oh, number one alpha receiver, and watch your team suddenly become a Super Bowl contender basically overnight. And the Jaguars, if Ridley can be that number one, the guy that he was in Atlanta, you could absolutely see the same thing in Jacksonville this year. We know Trevor Lawrence is a star. We know the defense will be mostly functional. We know that Travis Etienne and Christian Kirk can be productive NFL offensive players. If Ridley plays to his potential, there is no question to me that the Jaguars can be one of the best teams in the league. So getting to see what he can do is interesting, right? He's just a guy who, for various reasons, mental health, injury, suspension due to gambling, has never really had a chance to string together a couple seasons. I'm really looking forward to what we could see from Calvin Ridley this year. Yeah, I think that was a great point you made about so many teams, you see them bring in an alpha receiver. I mean, look at Burrow and Jamar Chase. Jalen Hurts eight got A.J. Brown last year, Super Bowl run. Josh Allen got Stephon Diggs, huge jump. I mean, hell, even Tua bringing Tyreek Hill, and Tua was one of the best quarterbacks in the league while he was healthy last season. So I, uh, I don't know if I put Calvin Ridley in that same tier as those other receivers right now. I, I guess you could if he's playing the way he was two years ago. But even setting this aside, besides uh, the Jaguars with Jalen Waddle, Christian Kirk is better than the receivers those guys that like Josh Allen had before Diggs came in. So Ridley doesn't have to be quite as good for mm-hmm. the offense to improve that much. Yes, yes, I, I'd agree with that there. And then your preseason division MVP, I feel like it's just, I mean, it has to be Trevor Lawrence. There's really no question. Like, he's the be- He's the best player in the division, regardless of position. And he's a quarterback on what should be the best team. Yeah, the, the only guy really that you could mention would be Derrick Henry if he single-handedly carries the Titans to a, the division title somehow. Because I just I can't see Richardson, Stroud, or Tannehill, any of the other quarterbacks, threatening Lawrence for division MVP. Um, can you think of anyone else who would even be close? <laughs> I think it would have to be Henry number two, right? A Will Anderson 18-sack season? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, no, okay, so I mean, we, it's... So we're di- in agreement. I worry at a certain point, like, you talk about tread on the tires. I mean, Derrick Henry, he put up, what, like 3,500 yards in college. He put up 12,000 yards in high school. He's put up 8,000 yards in the NFL. Oh, it's been... Like, he's he's at well over 30,000 yards. At a certain point, he's going to get old. I've lost time and time again betting against this year being the year that Derrick Henry finally shows his age. But at some point, it's going to happen. No, I mean, he's been a little, t- almost a timeless wonder over the past couple of seasons, just in terms of not wearing down at all. And you look at the workload that he receives. It's, it, yeah, he's a, he's a crazy athlete. Uh, predictions for the AFC South. I feel pretty comfortable going Jacksonville, winning the division, Tennessee coming in second, and then probably goes Colts and Texans. Do you have any different Prediction no, there? I think that's just the chalk line. Yeah. I think that makes it look even more questionable for the Texans to trade their first-round pick next year. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, if teams perform anything like expected, that should be the layout. The only possible fly in the ointment, I think, is if the Colts' offense is better than expected and the Titans decide early in the season to blow it up, trade Tannehill, trade Henry. So the Titans, you know, they could finish worse, but I don't see them doing better than second in the division. I see. I actually see the Titans as someone 
who could win this division. I mean, I think they, I do think they are the biggest challenger to Jacksonville going into, going into the year right now. We we're in July. So I do view Tennessee as the biggest threat for the Jaguars, but you're right. They could also completely go the other way and blow up, start over. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens, but yeah, it's, this one feels, I feel pretty confident with that order. Um, but we'll see again. There's a lot of new faces, a lot of excitement really for these franchises in the AFC South. For the first time in the while, in a while, can you think of the last time Indianapolis was excited? The last time Houston was excited? It's many years, so we'll see what happens. Um, but, but you're right; the Titans do feel like that they're the next one to blow it up. So we'll see. It'll if be that interesting. Happens. It'll be interesting seeing the AFC South over the years, though. Like three of the top rookie quarterbacks who were drafted this year. I know Will Levis went in the second round, but the Titans are still expecting a lot from him. You know, between Levis, Richardson, and Stroud. It's a division with three quarterbacks drafted in the same class who are going to compete against each other for at least a couple of years. With chances are, yeah, chances are one of them will be a star and one of them will be a bust at least. So fans in that division, one team is going to get to make fun of the other two for drafting some busts. Buckle up. Yeah. All right. We'll wrap today's show. Zach has. So normally when we have Jack here, we'll do a draft or a uh, sometimes a top 10 list, but. Since it's just me and Ziggy on the mics with, with Zach, of course, behind the scenes, Zach is going to give me and Ziggy a blind ranking of appetizers. He, Zach came up with this idea before the show started. I'm not sure where he's going to go and the appetizer uh, along the menu there, but we'll see. So, Zach, why don't you go ahead? Oh, and for anyone who doesn't know how blind rankings works, basically, Zach will say one food, and then Ziggy and I have to rank it one to five without knowing the next food that he will say. So we'll see who has a good list at the end. Go ahead, Zach. Who's right. who's the first one? The, the first one we're going to go with. Um, Wait, I have one question for you, Zach, before you yes, start. Yes, yes, Are these going to be like generic appetizers? Or are, is there going to be like a specific brand name appetizer that shows up at some point? N- no, pretty generic, I think. I so think there's that. no, we're not going to get Bloomin' Onion. No, you won't get a Bloomin' Onion. I feel okay. Like- but I, I I don't know. I feel like that wouldn't be bad. Well, he, you have the five already. Yeah, right? he's the list. Go go uh, ahead. Yeah, sure. Well, you know, we'll just have, we'll do whatever you get. Right, we'll the, the, the first one is going to be nachos. I like I don't nachos. Really care for nachos. I like them, but I'm not. Now remember, it's not for you. It's for the public. I know. How would the public pick? I don't think I think nachos are one of the things that everyone sort of knows of, but everyone thinks are overrated. They're at the four spot for me. They're, they are also at my four. So we both have nachos at four. They're, they're good, but I... Again, usually I'll have only a couple chips. I'm not going crazy on nachos. All right. This one I'll be be specific because there's always a debate. Bone-in wings. Oh, bone-in wings? Bone-in wings. That's my one. Yeah. That's my one. Yeah. I, appetizer. It's the it's an appetizer that can service a meal. Amazing. You can yeah, put buffalo wings any kind of sauce you want on them. Buffalo, teriyaki, lemon pepper, any garlic thing, <laughs> Cajun. Hey, hey, but I am much more. Korean. I am a hundred percent a bone-in kind of a guy. Oh, I, boneless is the five. Boneless wings aren't wings; they're chicken nuggets. Thank you, thank Free you. Free sauce. I, it pisses me off when people are. Oh, well, you're you're a boneless, boneless guy, guy, right? Yeah, yeah sorry. <laughs> okay, go look, ahead. look. There's nothing wrong with a pre-sauced chicken nugget. It's no, just it's not good. a wing. It's good. It's just not a wing. It's yeah. It's just not, you can't compare them. All right, go ahead, Zach. What's uh the third? The next one, calamari. Oh, if we're picking the public, because for me, calamari is high, but I'm not sure what the public thinks. 
Wait, hold on, hold on. Does the calamari come with a sauce on the side? This is critical. Oh, yeah. Uh, it usually comes with, like, lemons. I, wait, I thought okay, I so like it's a... coming with whatever calamari comes with. I thought you had, like, cocktail sauce or something like that. It can be I think it does get okay. cocktail sauce. Yeah. Calamari with cocktail sauce. Oh, man. Do I like that more than nachos? I'm putting calamari at the three. You got it the three. Um, I will... <sighs> Putting them at the three is risky. It could make me look very bad. I'm going to put them at the five. I like calamari, but n- not that much. Like I, I think I, we'll see. We'll see. All right, what's what's the next? Next one, loaded potatoes. Hmm. I'm going to put that at the three. Or loaded potato skins, however you'd like to say it. That's what the bacon, uh-huh. the cheese, sour cream. So this is a tough one because there's such a big gap between two and five. Yeah, you're that in a tough If spot. I put it, whatever I put, the other one's going to have to be either near the top or near the bottom. <laughs> Here's, I think the thing of the loaded potato is there's so much variance based on what they put inside. It's one that can really miss if the wrong things are in oh, there. Oh, it could be, it could be a five. Easy. I'm willing to put it at a five just because it's gotten extremely low for. I, I think that's okay, Ziggy. I think you survived that. All right. And what, what do we have here for the last one? The it's Pulsar twos. Mac and cheese bites. Ooh, mac and cheese. I'm okay with that at the two. If it was just mac and I like mac and cheese more than mac and cheese bites. I mean, I guess it's not a huge difference. <laughs> I, I mean, a really mac isn't. and cheese bite is basically a cheese curd, right? Basically. Mm-hmm. And yeah. a cheese curd's delicious. I mean, yes, I'm, I'm actually very okay with my list. So Me too. we'll recap here. I have wings, mac and cheese bites, loaded potatoes, nachos, calamari, Ziggy with wings, mac and cheese, calamari nachos and loaded potatoes so we only flipped the three and the five there with loaded potatoes and calamari i mean that's well done zach those are pretty good appetizers you said there yeah thank you thank you i uh came up on the spot (laughs) i'm trying to think i i feel like you could have trapped us by putting wings later on like having another what what other like super appetizer is there that we may have put in the one spot spinach dip (laughs) spinach dip (laughs) Yeah, I, I think uh, I, I think like, that's pretty good. Like some type of fry, like 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 yeah, disco like, fries. If you get fries or onion rings, I don't know if those really yeah. count as an appetizer. Yeah. Mozz mot sticks. Oh, I guess you're about mozzarella, mozzarella sticks. Yeah, mozzarella yeah. sticks are there. And then I I love blooming onion. Ziggy, you mentioned it. I think oh, those yeah. are no, those, those are amazing. That like I probably would have put that at two. So that's a good good appetizer. All right, so there you go. The AFC South is done. We only have. The NFC West and the AFC West left. And those are exciting divisions, at least uh, from the quarterback standpoint. There's a lot going on in the AFC West. And then NFC West has the 49ers, the Seahawks. We'll see what happens with the Rams and Cardinals. Uh, not exactly great go- situations there. But uh, again, thanks for listening. Please remember to like, comment, and subscribe. We will be back next Tuesday. No sh- Thursday show this week again. And uh, please leave a comment. If you have anything to say, if you like the show, if you hated the show, if you liked our rankings, you hated our rankings, whatever it may be, let us know how we did, and we will see you next Tuesday.